It's not how we begin, but how we finish. You know, a football team can be behind on the scoreboard the whole game. Misstep after misstep, mistake after mistake, and turn it around at the end and achieve victory. So no matter where you are in the game of life this morning, whether you're in the first half or the second half or maybe even the last quarter, you can turn things around through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and achieve victory in Him. Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Judges chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. Four, four chapters is where we'll be this morning. We're not going to have the time to read through all four, but we'll just pick some selected verses as we talk about the life of Samson and being so close to the fire. It's the title of our message. In the 1983 movie, Staying Alive, y'all are familiar with that movie, John Travolta, Fanola Hughes, they were rehearsing for a Broadway show. And there was a song in that, that they were dancing to in that Broadway show titled, we, we Dance So Close to the Fire. And the words of the chorus of that song go like this. It says, oh yeah, we dance so close to the fire, never a net under the wire, step by step, higher and higher, so close to the fire. As Christians, sometimes we dance close to the fire. When we become a child of God, by faith in Jesus, we're set apart. As Christians, we're called to live in a manner that's different from the rest of the world. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. We're to be set apart, sanctified, consecrated, holy. Listen to these four verses talking about how we should live as Christians set apart or sanctified. Listen to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's Romans 12 and verse 1. Here's another verse for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 says, You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then the fourth and final verse here, Romans 6 and verse 13. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. When the unsaved world looks at the life of a Christian, there should be an unmistakably noticeable difference. Difference in our conversation, the way we talk. Difference in the way that we relate to others and deal with conflict. Difference in the way we live. 
But sadly, so many in the world today who claim to be Christian dance so close to the fire. So close that the lines are blurred. And it's difficult to tell much difference between their lives and the lives of those unsaved people around them. This morning we're going to look at the life of an Old Testament judge by the name of Samson. His account of his life is written down for us beginning in Judges 13. Now Samson was listed in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Fame of Faith along with Moses and David and some of those others. But when we look at the account of his life here in Judges, we see very little to write home about. We see a man who was consecrated. He was set, a God, set apart for God's purposes from birth. And through the power of God, he did some mighty things. But in his flesh, he did some very unwise things and made some very poor moral choices. Most of us can look at our life and compare it to his and we're not a whole lot different. There are times when you look back over your life and you see things that you accomplished with God's help that were very mighty for him. But most of us, if we look back, we don't have to look too far to find some pretty big mess ups. And so I want to tell you this morning, though, the wonderful thing about it is it's not how we begin, but how we finish. You know, a football team can be behind on the scoreboard the whole game. Misstep after misstep, mistake after mistake. And turn it around at the end and achieve victory. So no matter where you are in the game of life this morning, whether you're in the first half or the second half or maybe even the last quarter, you can turn things around through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and achieve victory in Him. We won't have time to read through the whole four chapters this morning as we look at the life of Samson, but I want to encourage you to read through it this week or this evening, chapters 13 through 16 of Judges, and look at the entire life of Samson when you get some time. When we look at Samson's life, one of the first things I want us to look at, one of the first things that jump out right up front is his consecration. Turn there in Judges 13. Let's look at verse 2, starting there. It says, A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You're sterile and childless, but you're going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth. And he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the Philistine, from the hands of the Philistines. And then jump on down to verse 24 of chapter 13. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtiel. Here was someone who had been called by God who had been consecrated from the womb. 
God said he's going to be set apart to me from birth. To be a Nazarite. Now a Nazarite couldn't cut their hair. They couldn't drink wine. They couldn't eat grapes or raisins. They could have nothing to do with the fruit of the vine. They couldn't go anywhere near any kind of dead body. And the requirements for the Nazarites were in, is in, listed in Numbers chapter 6 there. And so he was set apart from birth. He was consecrated. You and I are consecrated when we, not when we're born the first time, but when we're born the second time. When we're born again in Jesus Christ. We're consecrated. We're set apart. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says this about that. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. We're to be set apart. We're to be brand new. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 says this, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And then Ephesians 4 and verse 24, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do just that. We, be, we become a child of God. We're empowered to put on the new self, to live a life set apart. But because this incorruptible spirit that we've been given resides in a corruptible body of flesh, that's hard to do sometimes. We're empowered by the Spirit, but we're dominated by the flesh. And even though we may be consecrated, we fall into compromise. And that's the second point. second thing I want us to look at in Samson's life is the life of compromise. Look in Judges 14. Begins the downward spiral of Samson's account, Samson's life. Samson compromised in his marriage his choice of a mate verses 1 through 3 it says he went down to Timnah this is in chapter 14 of Judges verses 1 through 3 Samson went down to Timnah and he saw a young Philistine woman when he returned he said to his father and mother I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah now get her for me as my wife his father and mother replied isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among our people must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? You see, God had told the Israelites not to intermarry with the pagans around them. He had warned them years before, don't do that. His mother and father warned him, don't do that. But yet his response, go get her for me. She's the right one for me. See, he wanted to do it his way. He wanted things his way. He wanted to compromise. He compromised his Nazarite vows. On the way to Timnah, he says he, they went by a vineyard. He wasn't supposed to be anywhere near grapes. He killed a lion with his bare hands. And then back on the way back to go to actually marry the girl, he goes back to that vineyard. Sees that dead lion carcass laying there. Supposed to avoid vineyards and dead bodies. He goes right up and gets some honey out of the carcass of the line. So he's violating his Nazarite vows. He's compromising to satisfy his own desires. When he gets there, he, they have a wedding feast and he wagers a bet with the wedding companions. He says, if you can figure out the riddle that I'm going to give you, I'll give you 30 suits of clothes. 
He makes a bet. When his wife-to-be entices him to give him the answer, give her the answer, he share, and she shares that with the people. Rather than honoring the, the bet, honoring the wager that he'd made, he went and killed other people to satisfy the payment of that wage. He murdered and he stole stuff. He's living a life of compromise. Then later on in that same chapter, or no, the next chapter, 15, when they found out that he found out that he had his wife had been given to somebody else instead of to him. He went into a rage. He takes revenge in his own hands, commits arson. He ties 300 pairs of foxes together and lights torches and lets them tear off through the grain and commits arson, burns up all the grain. And then he murders again in chapter 15, striking down a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. He's living a life of compromise. He's not fulfilling the purpose that God had laid down for his life. You and I can easily compromise. Now, none of us probably will ever commit murder or arson. But we can commit, we can be compromised. We can compromise our faith. Somebody puts us in harm's way, does something to harm us, we have an inclination to retaliate, to get revenge, don't we? We haven't taken the Nazarite vow, but there's times we make promises to each other we don't fulfill. There's times we make promises to God that we don't fulfill. Sometimes people marry someone who's not a believer, and that creates problems. We're told in the Bible not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, but people do it. They compromise. They get themselves in trouble. We were having a discussion. I got back in the vehicle the other night. Renee was telling the girls, be sure to marry somebody that's going to be going to church with you, taking the kids to church. Because so many don't. We don't need to be unequally yoked. We can fall into compromise because sometimes we go to places that Christians shouldn't go. We say things that Christians shouldn't say. We do things that Christians shouldn't do. We participate in events that Christians shouldn't participate in. We live a life of compromise sometimes. We hang out with the wrong crowd. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We dance too close to the fire. Living a life of compromise. And we wonder how we got burned. Farmer saw a little boy sitting up under his apple tree. The apples were ripe and red and delicious looking. The little boy was just sitting there looking up. He said, son, don't you try to steal my apples. The little boy says, mister, I'm not trying to steal your apples. I'm trying to figure out how not to steal them. He was too close to the fire. The temptation was there. We put ourselves in those situations sometimes. We're too close to the fire of temptation. But so oftentimes we think, I can handle it. I'm tough, I can handle it. We lie to ourselves. Proverbs 6 and verse 28 says, Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? No. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, we read this earlier. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. We don't need to put ourselves in compromising situations where we might slip. 
The best way to keep from running off the road is to stay away from the edge. The best way to keep from getting burned is to stay away from the fire. James 4 and verse 7 says, Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. If alcohol has been a problem for you, stay away from it. Stay away from those who drink it if it's a problem for you. If cigarettes have been a problem for you, leave them alone. If pornography has been a problem for you, don't look at it. Don't watch lewd TV shows. Don't read lewd literature. Flee from it, the Bible says. If gossip has been a problem for you, it stops with you. If you like hearing gossip, if you don't repeat it, it stops right there. Well, let's face it, we all have weaknesses and my weaknesses are not your weaknesses. The weaknesses I have now are not the weaknesses I had 10 years ago. But Satan knows where to push our buttons. We all have an Achilles heel. We all have that weak spot. We're weak, we can't help it. We compromise, we sin. We suffer the consequences. One of Samson's weaknesses was women. After his encounter there with a girl that he picked out from the wrong tribe, wrong group of people to marry, it didn't go well. He ends up spending the night with a prostitute. And then ends up getting in Dutch with Delilah. And that was his downfall. In chapter 16, we find that familiar story of Samson and Delilah. And that's where his sin finally catches up with him. And you and I may think we can get away with sin for a while. And maybe we can for a while. But the Bible tells us your sins will find you out. There is a time of reckoning. And there's a time of chastisement. And that's the third thing I want us to see about Samson's life this morning as we relate it to our lives. One of the realities of the Christian life is this matter of chastisement, discipline. We don't like to think about it, but it's a fact. Hebrews 12 and verse 5, starting off there, it says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. When a child of God walks away from God's purpose for their life, God's going to do what it, take, what it takes to bring him back home. Puts us under some type of chastening, some type of discipline. We don't lose our salvation, but we lose our fellowship. We get caught up in sin. Chapter 16, Samson is trapped in his sinful desires to gratify his own flesh. He's enticed by Delilah with total disregard for everything he ought to be standing for. And he gives up the secret to his strength. But the tragedy in that chapter is found in verse 20. And we can find ourselves, if we're not careful, in this same situation. Living our own way, doing our own thing. After he had told her three or four lies about how to get rid of his strength, he finally, she presses him and he tells, he tells the truth. If you cut my hair, I'll be as weak as any other man. And in verse 20 of that chapter, she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you after his hair had been cut. He awoke from his sleep and he thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. What a tragedy. This man had been doing things his own way. 
in his own strength with total disregard for God. And then when it finally came to roost, chickens came to roost, he thought, well, I'll just get myself free again. But he didn't realize God was not with him anymore. And we run the risk of that same situation if we get so entrapped in sin, doing things our way. God removes his hand of protection on us. Allows us to suffer chastisement. You see, sin can blind us. It could blind us to the point that we wander from God. Sin can bind us. God says, okay, I'm going to let you have just enough rope to get yourself tangled up. To bring us under that chastisement, to bring us back home. And then sin can grind us. That's that chastisement. Samson was blinded. He should have, he was consecrated. He should have been living his life for God. He was blinded spiritually the whole time. Then when he got captured, he was physically blinded. And that's when his sight began to come back. He was bound by bronze shackles. It, his sin bound him. And they took him to the grist mill and hooked him up like an animal, round and round in a circle, grinding grain. And I believe it was at that point in time when he lost his sight he had lost his freedom. He had lost his strength. Going round and round in a circle with no sight. That he could finally see for the first time in a long time. He could see with spiritual eyes. And when that was going on, when that was grinding on him, that's when God got his attention. There's a song that says when you hit rock bottom, you've got two ways to go. Straight up or sideways. And I believe as he went round and round, he began to see clearly. Sometimes it takes, it takes us some rock bottom times to see clearly. In verse 22, one of the most encouraging verses in this chapter says, But the hair on his head began to grow again after he had been shaved. Now I don't believe for a minute that's, that's, that's all it's talking about there. I believe he's talking about the fact that God had gotten his attention. Yeah, his hair began to physically grow. But his spiritual awareness began to grow. And he began at that point to come back to God and realize that he needed him. And that's the point that we get to sometimes where we have gone through that chastisement. It brings us to confession. The fourth and final point. Confession and repentance. We have a fairly pretty, pretty good indication that he made things right with God because he's listed after all in Hebrews 11 in the hall of fame for faith. God answers his prayer at the end of his life. God used him to accomplish that purpose to begin to tear down the Philistines. God's word records Samson's faith in, the, in that 11th chapter of Hebrews and so I believe that because of that, Samson had come to a point where he had realized his mistakes. It was confession and repentance. You know, when you and I realize our mistakes after we've been chastised by the Lord, we come back to Him. The Bible says we'll confess it. Confess our sins. He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
comes by confession and repentance. Sometimes like Samson, we're hard-headed. And God has to take us through a period of chastisement to break our stubbornness and realize we've been compromising and to help us to remember that we've been set apart. We've consecrated to Him. I don't know where you are this morning in your walk with the Lord. Are you living consecrated? Are you living a life that's set apart to Him? Are you living in the world but living the abundant life that He promises? That He calls us to live? Or do you find yourself living a life of compromise? Maybe you find yourself in under some pretty heavy grinding of sin, pretty heavy weight chastisement. You can lay it at Jesus' feet this morning. He will forgive it. You confess it to Him. Come back to Him. He'll free you from that bondage of sin that you're in. If you need to make it right with God this morning, now is the appointed time. You do just that as we pray and sing. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for this message, Lord, and grateful for the example in the Old Testament, especially the life of Samson. Someone who did not live as he ought to have lived at different times, Lord, and we're just the same. We mess up, we get trapped in sin, Lord, and you bring us under conviction, you bring us under that chastisement and that discipline. But that lets us know that you love us, Lord. And that we are your children. Father, forgive us where we fail you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.